Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast, a place where we believe you can be equipped to conquer any obstacle in life through the power of God's Word. We have a mission and believe that whatever problem you might be facing, God has a word that can lift you out of your trouble. Now, here's your host, Preston Shuttlesworth. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. So glad you're back with me. And uh, before we get into the podcast today, I just want to give you an update on um, this past weekend, because uh, if you follow me on social media and uh, you look at what I've been posting, I was I had the opportunity to go to Huntington, Texas and do a weekend of revival meetings for a great church there, New Beginnings Church, which is under Pastor Jonathan Wallace, who's a great man, and they have a great family, and uh, we had powerful meetings. We had... Um, we had two night services, and then we ended on a Sunday morning. So it was a Friday night, a Saturday night, and then we closed it out with a Sunday morning. And uh, the first two nights I preached on faith, and then the Sunday morning I preached on the Holy Spirit. And uh, each day and each night that we had, the Holy Ghost was really uh, was really present within the services, and people were being touched, and uh, people were receiving the message of faith. And it's uh, so greatly encouraging to see that there's still churches that are not closing. There's still men and women of God who are not bowing to this spirit of fear that's coming upon the world and coming upon the body of Christ, that there's still a strong remnant of believers who are full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. And uh, that was inspiring and encouraging for me to see. And uh, each night at the end, um, I ministered to the people, laid hands on the sick, prayed for salvation and for people to be saved. We had first-time decisions of people praying the sinner's prayer. We had people receive healing. We had people testify that they had received a miracle and God answered something they had been praying about. So it was really, really awesome. And uh, I believe if you have Facebook, you can go back and watch those uh, recorded services and uh, maybe you actually watched them live. And if you did, I appreciate that very much. And God's just doing awesome things. You know, um, this is my first year. Well, I guess it's kind of like my year and a half because I graduated in 2019. But this is technically like my first year trying to do full-time traveling ministry and evangelistic ministry. And uh, I had quite a few things, you know, get moved around and switched up on me and either things had got moved to later dates or, or things that I had planned to do this summer got canceled altogether. And so it can be hard not to get discouraged when all you want to do is preach and all you want to do is travel. And uh, that's what you want to do with your life. And it seems like the perfect storm. And it's just the enemy trying to discourage people any way he can. And um, so I was thinking, I'd be praying like, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I pray that you'd open doors for me even during this time that I'll still be able to travel and do what you called me to do. Because God, I understand that things might not be ideal and perfect, but my faith is not dependent upon circumstance. And what I believe God for is not going to be dictated by what's going on in the world. If God made me a promise, I know God can come through and deliver on the promise that he gave me. And God gave me a promise that he would use me and open doors for me to preach the gospel. And he called me to be an evangelist and called me to be a minister and a preacher. So if God called me, 
he'll open the doors and give me a way out and an access point to do the thing that he's called me to do. And the same things for you. So this past weekend was really awesome. The church and the pastor and his family really, really blessed me. And like I said, if you want to go back and watch those recorded services, they're on Facebook Live. Just type in New Beginnings Church Huntington and you should be able to find those services on there and it will bless you. But anyways, um, getting into the podcast, um, I feel a really strong urge in my spirit to preach on a topic that for whatever reason you never hear about anymore. You know, people preach a lot of different things and uh, with, you know, how a lot of churches are doing online, especially now they're not going to preach it. They, they're just preaching self-help. They're preaching humanism. They're preaching, you know, how to be a better person, how to have a better marriage, how to have a cleaner kitchen, how to make, you know, just things that are very humanistic, things that are very shallow. And you never really hear messages about the blood of Jesus. You never really hear messages or preachings on the return of Christ or divine healing or faith. It's all about just self-help, motivation, things like that. But that's not what preachers are called to do. Preachers are called to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God sent his son Jesus to become a sacrifice for our sins to give us an access point and a way out of our sin to come into relationship with God the Father and forgive us of our sins. And he redeemed us from the curse of the law and he redeemed us from sickness and he healed all our diseases and he gave us a way out. You know, that's what preaching is. But today I feel to preach on the return of Christ, that Jesus is coming soon because he is coming soon. You know, if there was any point in history that you could point to and say, Jesus could come back this year. It would be this year, you know, and I'm going to show you from the Bible why that's true, because the Bible doesn't say things are going to be going really, really good. And then Jesus is just going to come back and he's going to ruin everything. And then, and then he's going to come back when everything's going good. No, the Bible says Jesus is going to come back as it was in the days of Noah. And you can go back to the days of Noah and you can read in Genesis and you can see that the world was full of violence. The world was full of sin. The world was full of people that were rebelling rebe in rebellion against God and what God had established. So it's prophesied in the Bible that Jesus and the return of Christ will occur at a point in the earth when sin is running rampant, when certain things are taking place. And I'm going to show you from the Bible today that all of these signs, all of these prophecies are happening every day. And almost all of them are already confirmed and already happened. So now we're just in the final hour of the last days. And so instead of preaching to you today about three steps to have better pancakes and you know, whatever the heck people preach nowadays and whatever your cool community youth pastor is going to tell you, I'm going to preach to you a message about being ready for the return of Jesus Christ to the earth, being ready for the second coming of Christ. Because if you're not ready, I don't want to have on my shoulders and on my hands that I could have told you that you need to be ready, and I never did. That instead of preaching to you the need for the blood of Jesus, instead of preaching to you the need for forgiveness, instead of letting you know that things are coming to an end and you have to get things right with God before the return of Christ, instead of, you know, one day me having guilt and God being like, why didn't you tell people about the truth that you knew? 
Why did you try to focus on things that didn't matter? Why did you try to focus on things that were humanistic and, and, and things of the earth? You need to exalt and lift up your focus to things that are eternal. Place your value in things that will get you to heaven. You know, we can have an, a wonderful life on earth, but if you're not prepared for heaven, if you're not ready to meet Jesus, then you need to be ready. So today we're going to preach, and I'm going to teach you from the Bible what's going to be happening on the earth before Jesus comes, which is ha- which these things are happening right now, and also give you an opportunity to accept Christ if you haven't. Because this is what's important. This is what matters above all else. Not, you know, having the best fashion, not having the best um, graphic department at your church, not having the coolest glasses, not, you know, whatever it is that preachers think is so valuable and they place so much of their worth in. I want to place my worth and I want to place my focus and my attention on Jesus is coming soon. And Jesus is not returning for a church that's full of spots and full of wrinkles and is damaged and bruised and bloodied and beaten. Jesus is returning, the Bible says in Ephesians, for a glorious church without spot and without wrinkle. And what that means is a church that's wholly devoted to him, that doesn't have 17 other interests, and, you know, is more focused on the return of the NBA season or if the NFL is going to have training camp or if the NFL is going to have a regular season. Who cares anymore? Honestly, you know, I I used to follow like on my social medias, like the NBA, the NHL, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the my baseball team. I used to follow all these things. And I just got to a point where it annoyed me so much. And I was just thinking, man, sports has just become so political. And there's just this huge agenda behind sports. What's the point? Who cares anymore? You know, you have to get up to a point in your faith where temporary things that just pass away, things that fade, things that perish, things that rot, things that become corruptible, these things don't matter to you. So I, you know what I did? I just unfollowed every single sport team, sport affiliation, sport organization because I got to a point where I was like, I don't even care. You know, there's an old hymn they used to sing. It's called, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And one of the lyrics is in there. It says, the things of earth shall grow strangely dim. And, you know, the more I progress and the more I mature in my faith and the more I pray and the more I read my Bible and the more I understand the kind of times we're living in, the more that lyric rings true in my spirit that the things of this earth are growing dim. And the only things I want to cling to, the only things I want to give my attention to, the only things that I want to value are things of eternal value that are found within the inexhaustible word of God, which contains truth and life and the way to heaven. So as a preacher, especially, I'm not even talking to sinners. I'm talking to people that say they're preachers of the gospel and they focus on things like, you know, they'll post about the NBA or the MLB five times more than they'll share a word or something that God's put on their spirit. What is going on? What is happening to our preachers and the people that are supposed to be leaders in the church where they're so much more focused on temporary, carnal, fleshly things that have no value and will have no eternal worth? You have to get your mind on the word. You have to understand that no matter what's going on in this earth, I have a solution and I have the answer. You know, you probably saw my rant uh, the other day about... I'm going to get to 
the topic today, but I just feel to go on the, on this because you might have saw my rant kind of the other day that I was posting about, you know, if you think that the solution to what's going on right now is to have real, quote unquote, real conversations with people and just hear people out and hear what they have to say, I understand that you're a good person. I understand that you want to hear people out and just want to understand, okay, okay, that's great. But listen, any word, any man, woman, anybody speaks I don't care what race they are, what income bracket they come from, what education level they have. It doesn't change the word of God. And I believe with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind, and all of my strength, that this word, the word of God, is the answer for the world. Because the purpose of the church is not to bring awareness to problems that exist in the world. The purpose of the church is to be empowered to do the work of Christ and bring the solution to the world. But the church has gone the opposite direction, where we think we're just some self-help group or some social club or some motivational speakers that just, you know, we can't actually bring any answer or solution, but we're just here to encourage you and make you smile and give you a hug and pat you on the back. No, that's not my commission. That's not what my Lord told me to do. He told me to go out, preach the gospel to every living creature, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, see the dead raised, do the things that Jesus did. And that's my passion and that's my desire. So get your focus off of this world because this world is full of sin. This world is full of rebellion. This world will treat you wrong every single time. And you have to switch your focus to say, God, I am turning my attention to your word and I will be ready for the return of Christ. I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be one of these Christians that fall into this trap of caring about the present world and the cares of the world and just falling into all of these things that don't matter. I place my hope, I place my life in the hands of the Lord, and I focus on things that have eternal value. That's who I want to be. And I hope that my generation can see what the enemy's trying to do. I hope you can see the trick he's trying to play on your mind to make you think that you can't do what he called you to do or try to get you to focus on things that don't matter so that you're accepted and people, you know, respond well to you and everybody likes you. Let me tell you something. When you preach the truth, people are not going to like you. You know, Jesus, you understand, was crucified by his government and by religious leaders of his day. You know what I mean? Jesus didn't live out his whole life and everybody liked him and he was the king of the world. No, Jesus was the truth. He didn't preach truth. Jesus was the embodiment of truth. He was the word of God made flesh that dwelt among us. And Jesus was killed by his present government and religious leaders that didn't like what he had to say. So don't think it's going to be any different. Jesus said they'll hate you and me because they hated Jesus first. That there's something about you that when you carry truth, people will either love it and embrace it and be set free, or people that are full of you know, conviction and sin that don't want to let go of that thing, they'll resent you for it because you make them realize that they're in the wrong, and people hate that. So never think that when you preach the gospel, and when you preach truth, that 100% of the people are going to like you, or that 100% of people are going to support you, or 100% of people are, you know, going to be encouraging to you. A lot of people are not going to like you. A lot of people are going to write you Instagram DMs and want to argue with you and want to debate you because they don't understand that the truth divides people. 
You know, people think Jesus came to bring peace. You need to read the Bible because Jesus said, I have not come to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword that divides, a sword that divides a mother against a father, a son against a brother, a daughter against a sister. You know, Jesus came to bring a message that if you believe it, you become separate from the world and the people that remain in the world are not going to like you for not being like them. Why will they not like you? They won't like you because you're no longer like they are. You've embraced the nature of Christ Jesus and you're different. So I just want to encourage you today before we get into this topic of the return of Christ, that not everyone's going to like you, you know, but if you want to be successful in ministry and if you want to keep going, don't let people's words build you up and you'll never allow people's words to tear you down. As long as you just have this mentality that God called me, God filled me with the Holy Ghost, God is the one that's opening the doors for me, and I don't give a rip about any religious person, any governmental person's opinion about what God called me to do. And as long as I'm in submission to my spiritual authorities, as long as I stay in the Holy Ghost and connected to God, as long as I fast and pray and stay in my word, I don't need your approval. I don't need you to like me. I don't need you to like my Instagram post. I don't need you to comment good job. And I and I love and appreciate all the people that encourage me. But if nobody encouraged me, I would do it all the same. Because my ministry is not going to be built upon the encouraging words of people. My ministry will be built upon the unwavering and unmovable word of God, which is found in the Bible. So that's who I want to be. And that's the generation that God wants to raise up. Don't be you know, like the past 15, 20 years of ministers, that they're all just weak, spineless. They just bend to the crowd of popular opinion and pop culture, and they just want to be liked. They want to be cool with people, and they don't want to stand for anything that's worth of anything of value. They just want to be liked. They just want to be seen as an influencer. They just want to be seen as someone that can play all sides of the card, and they can be liked by everybody. That's not who you're called to be as a minister. It's not who Jesus was. It's not who anybody that preached truth was. They killed Martin Luther King Jr. They killed Jesus. They killed many, many, many people that brought truth and did things that went against the grain. Because when you go against the grain, and when you preach truth, evil doesn't like it. Religious spirits don't like it. So don't have this, you know, misunderstanding that if everyone doesn't like you, you're not doing the right thing. Most of the time, if everybody does like you, you're doing the wrong thing. You know, the Bible says, beware when all men speak well of you, because if everybody likes you, you're not standing for anything worthwhile. But then again, if everyone doesn't like you, you're probably not preaching in love or with grace or mercy. There has to be a and in, in the middle, not in the sense of you're like hot or cold, but in the sense of you're preaching in love, but you're preaching the truth in love. So that's how you need to be as a young preacher. Don't, don't, don't bow to this spirit of fear and this spirit of intimidation that wants to steal the word out of people's hearts and make them bow and just be like everybody else. We are not like everybody else. We have a word that makes us different. So I just want to share that with you before we get into today's podcast. That's not even what today's podcast is about, but I'm just flowing today. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 9 because I want to show you a verse that when you read it, it might sound simple, but I'm going to show you some things that are powerful. It's about the return of Christ. 
And I want you to be ready today. I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt after you listen to this, that you're ready to meet the Lord. That if Jesus were to come back tonight, you'd be ready to meet him. And you'd be ready to give an account of what you did with your life while you were on the earth. Hebrews chapter 9 is where I'm going to read this text in verse 28. So the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 28, it says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. That's a powerful verse in Hebrews chapter 9 because it shows you that what the first um, coming of Christ was about. The first coming of Christ was for him to bear the sins of many, for him to shed his blood on the cross and give us a way out of sin and depression and, and sickness and disease. That Christ came the first time to bear our sins and give us an access point to heaven, but he's coming back a second time, the Bible says. There'll be a second coming, a second revealing of Christ. But this time, he's not coming to save us from sin. He's coming to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So my question today, just from that verse, is a simple one. Are you eagerly waiting for Jesus? Is your entire life devoted to bringing as many souls as possible into the kingdom before Jesus comes back? What are you doing on a daily basis that one day when you give a testimony to the Lord about what you did with your life, you can say, Lord, with what I had and the resources you gave me, I did the most and the best I could because that's what I want to do. You know, I want to hear the seven perfect words of God in heaven one day. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want God to be disappointed with me or say, Preston, you know, you could have done more. I want God to be pleased with my life. And when Jesus comes back the second time, I want to be waiting expectantly and with eagerness to see him come back. I don't want to be full of fear and be like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. You know, I feel like I have a 50% chance that Jesus will take me or he won't. You know, one thing you'll realize if you've ever gone soul winning is when you ask people the question, are you assured that if you would die today that you'd go to heaven? A lot of people will respond, I hope so, or I think so, or, you know, I lived a good life and, I was, and I'm a good person, so I think I'll make it to heaven. And they give these responses that are full of doubt and full of unbelief. And when they respond that way, I know that they're not that they're not on their way to heaven. Because when you're saved, you are saved beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because you don't have any fear that Jesus isn't going to take you. You don't have to go to sleep tonight wondering if Jesus was to return in the middle of the night, if you'd wake up and your whole house would be gone because they got raptured and you were left behind. That should not be how you perceive the second coming of Christ. You should have an eager expectation that you want Jesus to come back. You know what I mean? Like I can think of even as a little kid, I would tell my parents like, Mom, I, I want Jesus to come back, but do you think he could give me like 20 years just to be an evangelist so I can preach? You know, and I used to think like that, but the older I get, the more I'm like, come now, Lord, you know, cause I'm happy and I'm happy. I want, I want Jesus to come back. I want, you know, to be in heaven and to see Jesus and to have all of the things in the, in the fulfillment of the promise to be, you know, fulfilled. I want all of that, you know, but we have a mission 
And we have a purpose to save as many people and preach the gospel as much as we can before the return of Christ. But what the church has done is the opposite, that they're not waiting expectantly and with eagerness for Christ to return. They're hiding in their bomb shelters, for, you know, in a sense, and they're just waiting for the storm to pass. They're waiting for things to go back to normal so they can go back to their 17 services a day and 15 minute services and you know we don't pray for people we just minister and then you know we collect the check and we go home and they just want to go back to how things were but part of the reason that things like this are happening in the earth is because because God's giving a shakeup to the church and the modern leadership that's in the church that says hey you got to change how things are going because if you're doing things just as normal or how you were things will never change the church needs to wake up and be expectant and have this understanding that Jesus is coming back again and he's coming back soon that we're in the final hour of the last days we're not in the beginning of the last days we don't have a hundred years we have a very limited amount of time to preach the gospel to every living creature before Jesus comes back that's why me and my family are so adamant about churches staying open and that no matter what, we're going to travel and we're going to preach revivals and crusades and we're going to give altar calls for people to receive Christ. Because we understand that even if the virus is real, the return of Christ and eternity is much, much more real much, much more real. So it's not time to stop preaching. It's not time to close your church. It's not time to do less. It's time to go after the souls that are lost. It's time to preach the gospel. It's time to have an eager expectation that Jesus is coming back again. And when I see Jesus face to face one day, when I go before the Bema seat, the mercy seat of judgment, and God asks me an account of what I did with my life, I want to be able to say, God, with what I had to do and with the opportunities I had, I did the most I could. And I want God to say back to me, well done, Preston, my good and faithful servant. That's who I want to be. And that's how the church should stand during this time. Be ready for the return of Christ. Don't be afraid. Don't be full of fear. Don't embrace the modern culture and this spirit of fear that's trying to come upon the church and come upon the world and has come upon the world. We are different. We don't receive the same spirit. We have the spirit of Christ that lives in us. We haven't received the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's the spirit we received. Not one of fear, not one of panic, not one of confusion, not one of frustration. One of power and love and a sound mind. And we'll be ready for the return of Christ. And we're going to bring as many people with us to heaven as we can. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 21 very quickly because I want to show you how the Bible perfectly depicts the time that we're living in right now. You know something? The Bible is full of prophecy and the Bible hasn't had one of these prophecies fail or be inaccurate or not do the thing that it said it was going to do. The Bible is never wrong, and it's insane. Like, I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 21, and you're going to see that Jesus prophesied exactly what the times would be like right now that we're living in before he returns. So I want you to turn to Luke chapter 21, and I'm going to read to you three verses, verses 25 to 28 of Luke chapter 21. The Bible says, And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, 
and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. Listen to this, verse 26. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your head, because your redemption is drawing near. First thing I want you to see from Luke chapter 21, verse 25 to 28, is that Jesus prophesied and he said that mass panic and fear would be two signs and signals that were in the last days. And, you know, and before this year, you might have been able to dismiss this prophecy and say, well, the world's always in fear. The world's always in panic. Well, now you see that there's a different level of fear that's going to try to come upon the world, that will come upon the world, according to Jesus, before the return of the second coming of Christ. And you can see that those are the tactics and tools that the devil's using. Mass panic and fear. The Bible even says in different translations of Luke chapter 21 that people's hearts will fail them because of fear. You know, you can go to the parable of the sower and you can see that Jesus compared the seed that the sower sowed to the word and the, the ground was the heart of people. So the Bible says... That your heart is the soil that the word, the seed, is planted into. So the Bible says that because of fear, many people have the word stolen from their heart. And I want you to be assured today and have confidence that you are not going to be like these people that reject the word and turn away from the word because of this spirit of fear that's coming upon the nation and coming upon the body of Christ. That is not who you are going to be. You're going to be strong. You're going to be someone that, like Jesus said, when you see all these things happening, straighten up, lift your head, because your redemption draws nigh. Jesus said that because it's a happy thing for the believer. You know, it's a very petrifying, fearful thing for the unbeliever. But for those of us that are saved, for those of us have, that have the assurance that Jesus is going to come back for us, we can look up and be happy and have expectation and be eager because we know that we're entering into a better thing, not a worse thing. So now that is not the time to be in fear. Now is the time to be happy. Now is the time to be expectant. Now is the time to, is to go after souls more than you ever have. But Christians have done the opposite. They're afraid. They don't even want to have Sunday morning services. Even if the governor has allowed them to have services, they're still at home. Because they're afraid of the opinions of their church members. They're afraid of what the attendance will be like when they open the church back up. They're afraid that the governor will reissue lockdown orders and, and bring back restrictions that will make them not do what they could before. Everybody's operating by a spirit of fear. But the Bible says that faith is the opposite of fear. So you can't have faith and make decisions out of fear. And the Bible even says that anything done outside of faith is sin to God. So not only are you disobeying God, not only are you committing sin against God, but you're not even giving people an opportunity to be saved. How insane is that? People do not need to hear your sit-down message with your lapel microphone talking about 16 steps to a better marriage. It's time to grow up. 
it's time to get back to principal doctrines of the Bible, that the blood of Jesus will save you from your sin, that holiness is still required from the Lord, that Jesus is coming back for a church without spot and without wrinkle. When did we go down this weird like ethereal vein of preaching where nothing even makes sense, nothing is encouraging, nothing is anointed, nothing is spiritual, everything's just about what can I say to get the most likes, to fill the most seats, to build the biggest church and build this huge conglomerate of thing that has no basis in the word of God, has no foundation upon the blood of Jesus, and has no promise of the return of Christ Jesus for a church. What in the world are we building? I don't care if you have 10,000 people. Most of them, if you're not preaching like these things that you should be, they're probably not even saved because they don't go to your church to hear about Jesus. They go to hear about your stories about your family and how to dress better and how to get cooler shoes and how to wear cooler square rimmed glasses that you don't need. And it's nothing about spiritual things. It's nothing about spiritual matters. All it is, is a self-help group, a social club, and things that have no eternal value. But I want to preach to you today strong that Jesus is coming back again. And if you're not ready, if you're not washed in the blood, if you're not living every day for the Lord, if you haven't let go of sin and been released from the bondage of sin and death and hell, then you need to get it right before Jesus comes back. Because I promise you, Jesus is coming back soon. You have to get ready. Live ready. Be ready. Have expectation. Be eager. Have hope. When things go wrong in the world, don't put your head to the ground and cry but do what Jesus said to do. Lift your eyes to the heavens. Look upwards for your redemption draws nigh. That's what I'm going to be. That's who, how I want to conduct myself. I don't want to be in fear. I don't want to be bound to what the enemy wants me to do. And anything the enemy doesn't want me to do, I'm going to do it seven times over. So if the Satan doesn't want me to travel and preach and have revival meetings and give people the opportunity to receive Christ and pray for the sick and cast out devils, guess what I'm going to do as much as possible until Jesus comes back? Heal the sick. Pray for people that want to be delivered from depression or spirits of oppression. Let people pray the sinner's prayer and be saved and be washed by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to do it all day long. I'm going to do it every single day. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to retreat and hide. I'm going to press forward to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus because that's who God called me to be. And my calling isn't changed based upon natural circumstance and what's going on in the world. That's where power comes from. That's where the anointing's born from. That kind of mentality. Not the mentality that we hide. David didn't hide when Goliath came out. All of the rest of Israel hid. King Saul hid. But there was one anointed young man that said, I'm tired of hearing the devil run his mouth. I'm tired of hearing the spirit of fear that thinks it's bigger than my God. I will cut off his head today because who dares this uncircumcised Philistine think he is that he should defy the armies of the living God? Where is that? Where is that in the, our generation? It's very rare. And I promise you, if you can live your life this way, 
live with expectation that Jesus is coming back. Live under the unction of the Holy Ghost. Have a prayer life. Have a word life. You'll be so different and head and shoulders above every other one of your, you know, people that think, you know, they're called to the same thing. And maybe they are. But you'll set yourself head and shoulders above them if you can live your life with this mindset and not the mindset of fear and not being controlled by a spirit of intimidation. Because that's how the devil works. And perfect love, First John 4, casts out fear. And God is love. And God is perfect. So if God is in me, fear cannot be in me at the same time. They're totally contradictory to each other. That's why Jesus always rebuked the disciples for being in fear. That's why Jesus, you know, always rebuked people if they had unbelief in their heart or said things like, Lord, if you're willing, can you heal me? It upset Jesus because Jesus is pleased by faith. Our God is pleased by faith. Actions taken in faith. And the church hasn't taken decisions in faith. No, they have not. You cannot tell me that this is faith. You cannot tell me it's faith to close down your building. That's fear. You're bowing to fear. You can cut it any way you want. You can tell me whatever you want, but you are bowing to fear because you never had a backbone. You never had a real DNA of faith in your being. It was just something you like to say because it made people clap and it made people shout. But when it really came down to a situation where you had the decision to bow or to stand for God, you bowed. So don't tell me that you're a man of faith unless you repent before a holy God and ask for forgiveness because this is not faith. You have not been operating by faith. And it's a shame that young people have to stand up and be like, hey, this is not right. This is not what you taught us. This is not what's in the Bible. Let's read verse 34 of Luke chapter 21 to verse 36. Verse 34 of Luke 21. The Bible says, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, that day being the return of Christ. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. I plead with you today. Don't allow the trap of fear to steal the word from your heart and make you miss the rapture in the second coming of Christ. Because the plan of the enemy is to distract people with the cares of life and get their eyes off of what God wants to do. You know something? God has an agenda too. You know, people are always so fixated and focused on what the devil's plan is and what the devil's agenda is. You know something? God has plans too. God has an agenda too, and he's looking. His eyes are going to and fro upon the whole earth, seeking for someone whose heart is turned towards him. 
He wants to find young people. Maybe you're, you're a young person listening to this, and this is speaking to you. You're the exact person that God's looking to use. God's looking for a person, just like David, that says, you know what? I don't need to take this one day longer. I have what I need to stand against the devil. I have what I need to stand against fear. I have what I need to stand against the spirit of the world and the agenda of an antichrist spirit. And I'm not going to take the devil's junk one day longer. That kind of righteous indignation should rise in your spirit, just like David, just like Elijah, just like Daniel, just like Esther, just like Mordecai, just like Jesus, just like Peter, just like Paul, just like John. Everybody in the Bible that you read about, they had that in their being. They had that faith that says, if they want to feed me the lions, I don't care. I'm going to pray. I'm going to serve God. And even that, I'm going to open the windows of my, of my room so people can see me praying. <laughs> I love that. But you know what people, people do? Oh, I understand. I understand, you know, governor, that things are going this way. And I understand. You know what's sad? That a Baptist minister, John MacArthur, who's not full of the Holy Ghost, who says that if you speak in tongues, you've received an unclean spirit and you're full of the devil. He was the one in California that refused to shut down his church and hasn't shut down. And the day they told him that they were going to come to shut him down, he preached at a Daniel chapter six about Daniel in the lion's den and preached, we must obey God rather than human authority. What a shame to Pentecostal believers. What a shame to Holy Ghost-filled people that it took a Baptist old curmudgeon minister to be the one to stand against religious oppression and religious persecution. How sad. How sad. Meanwhile, all the Pentecostal pastors and megachurch leaders shut down left and right. should be ashamed. Meanwhile, Baptists are putting you to shame. What's going on, man? What happened? What happened? To me, nothing really happened. It was just the light got turned on. It was just you finally got to see who really had it and who didn't have it. You actually got to see it. Who really believes what they believe and who, who, and who was actually just preaching what they preached to collect a check and to have a business and to conduct ministry like it's some business operation. You got to see it firsthand. Who's who? Who will stand and who will fall? Who will stand and who will bow? You saw it. You saw it. Don't be weighed down with the cares of this life. That's the trap of the devil, Jesus said in Luke 21, verse 34 to 36. Don't be weighed down by the cares of, the li of this life and fall into a trap. Because what the enemy wants to do is he wants to make you fall into this trap of the cares of this life so you miss out and you aren't ready or expectant for the return of Christ in the second coming of Jesus. He wants you to fall into this trap where your focus has shifted off the word of God, has shifted off the blood of Jesus, has shifted off what God has redeemed you from and given you power over. And he wants you to focus on all the negative. He wants you, instead of reading the Bible every day, to check the CDC's website and see the newest reports and read the newest statistics and see, you know, if the virus is spreading in your county or your city or your town. That's what he wants you to do. 
and most people fell right into the trap like a mouse for cheese. They just went right in. They took the bait like a fish, hook, line, and sinker. They took the devil's trap. And Jesus warned against it, the cares of this life. It's written right in the Bible. I don't have to give you some weird quote by some philosopher. I can just read to you the words of Jesus and tell you what he said was going to happen before he returned. A trap of falling and caring about the cares of this life and shifting your focus off of spiritual things onto earthly, natural things of man. And that's exactly what's happened to the church. That's exactly what's happened to the people of God. Not everybody. There's a lot of people that have stood during this time, my family, many others. But a lot of people, most people, have bowed. Most people have given in. But I believe that God's raising up a remnant of people that say enough is enough. Enough is enough. You know, I'm not preaching today angry. I'm not preaching today bitter. I'm just telling you, you got to wake up to some things. That's what Jesus said. He said, verse 36, stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place. You know, you think of Jesus when he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane before he was about to be taken into custody to be crucified. And the Bible says he went to pray privately and he left the disciples where they were together. And when he came back after an hour, they were all asleep. And Jesus woke him up and rebuked him. He said, could you not tarry one hour? He said, pray and, and stay awake and alert that you may resist the temptations of the devil. Jesus was showing you something there. He was saying, you want to know how to overcome temptation and not how to give in to the plan and the traps of the enemy? Pray and stay alert and stay awake. And don't let the devil steal your expectation and eagerness for the second coming of Jesus. But a lot of people have allowed the devil to steal that from their heart and allowed fear to grip it instead. But I want you to know that God has an agenda too. The devil might have an agenda, but I'm not concerned with the devil's agenda because God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. I believe in God. I believe God is stronger than the devil. I believe the word of God is the most powerful tool and weapon in the universe that nothing can withstand the word of God. But most Christians, they act and make decisions as if the word of God is of none effect and it's just some book full of principles and life lessons, but it's not the life-giving word that it's actually alive and can do and produce what it says it can. But the word of God must produce. The word of God cannot return void or empty, but it accomplishes the thing it was sent to do. So God has an agenda too. Get your focus and attention on his agenda. Be ready for Jesus to come back. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 16 because I am and I want to read to you one more verse as we get toward the end of today's podcast. Revelation chapter 16. And I'm just going to read one verse. Verse 15 of Revelation 16. The Bible says, this is Jesus again, verse 15. 
Behold, I am coming. This is Jesus speaking. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake. So here we go again. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments or his coverings on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. So obviously Jesus, when he's talking like that, he's not referring to natural clothes. He's referring to the covering of faith. He's referring to the covering of prayer. He's referring to the covering of staying alert and staying awake. Blessed is the one who stays awake. So I have a question to you today from that verse. Have you exchanged your covering for fear? Have you exchanged your covering for fear? Because the Bible says Jesus said it. He said, blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments or his clothes or his covering on. So the Bible says if you stay awake, you'll stay covered. But if you fall asleep, you expose yourself and you become naked and you become open to the attack of the devil. And a lot of people have opened up their life to the devil through a spirit called fear that is gripping the earth and gripping the modern church. Have you exchanged your covering for fear? Have you exchanged your covering for fear? Because the covering is vigilance. The covering is a prayer life. The covering is being alert and awake and not being lulled to sleep and not being intimidated by what the enemy's doing, what the devil's up to. You stay awake. You stay alert. You stay under the blood of Jesus. You stay with your eyes lifted, like Luke 21 says, knowing that your redemption draws nigh, knowing that Jesus is coming back again soon. Live ready. Be ready. Stay awake. Don't fall into sin. Now is not the time to turn from God. Now is the time to be as close with God as you ever have been before. Now is that time. Don't fall away. Don't be full of fear. Don't operate by the spirit this enemy and this devil wants you to operate by. Live in faith. Live with a prayer life. Live knowing that God will do exactly what he said. Once you go to 1 John chapter 2. I know I'm reading a lot of verses today, but this is an important topic. And if I didn't share as much as I could about this topic, that blood would be on my hands because I want you to be ready. And I'm here to stir up your faith. You know, and if if you're upset at me and it's like, oh, Preston's just angry. I'm not angry. I love people. I'm doing this because I love you because I, you know, I know this stuff. I know it. It's not like I have to do these podcasts to remind myself. I'm doing it because I know it helps people. And I know that knowledge is how you overcome the devil. You know, the Bible says that people perish not for a lack of running around a church building or dancing or, you know, all those things are good, but people perish for lack of knowledge. People perish because they don't know what they've been redeemed from and what, you know, God has set them free from. And you must understand that you're set free. You must understand that God has opened up a way for you to be someone that's different from this earth. So I don't want you to feel like everything's against you and that nothing will ever work out and that, you know, things just go one way and we don't understand why they do. No, we understand from the Bible 
why things happen because we have something called Bible prophecy. And we have something called the assurance of the hope of the second coming of Christ. This is what gives us hope, that Jesus is coming back. Jesus isn't going to leave us orphans and leave us helpless and leave us without an answer and leave us without any defense. He has equipped us already with the power. We have everything we need to be victorious and to be more than conquerors. And we have the promise that he's coming back again for us. So I want to close. I had more verses, but we're already getting up to an hour and I don't want to go like two hours. So... I want to close with 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. Again, just one verse. Verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. I'm going to read it again. Now, little children, abide in him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him and shame at his coming. Understand this last point today before we close. That habitual relationship with the Lord produces a confidence that has no shame and no doubt in it. How do you have confidence? How do you know that God's going to get you out of this thing? How do you know that your life is protected during time of famine? and during time of drought, and during time of mass panic and fear gripping the world, you have the confidence that stems from abiding in the Lord and having covenant and relationship with God. That's why you don't have to be afraid. That's why you don't have to shrink from him in shame. That's why when he comes back, you don't have to hide your face. That's why you don't have to be like Adam and Eve and hide yourself from God. Because you understand that you don't have to shrink away because he loves you. And when you have perfect relationship with him, he doesn't want less of you. He doesn't want to ignore you. He wants more of you. He wants to be around you. He wants to bless you. He wants to make your life easier. He wants to lift burdens off of you, not put burdens on you. But most people have this perception of God that he's just like this guy in a cloud with a lightning bolt that's waiting to strike anybody or anything that would dare make him mad. That's not who God is. God loves people. God loves his children especially. He loves you and me. And we have a covenant that allows us to not be afraid or shrink away at the sign and the sight of his coming. We don't have to be like Adam and Eve and hide in the garden and, you know, be ashamed because of our nakedness. We've been clothed with righteousness through the blood of Jesus. We have a reason to boldly approach the throne of God. And we have the understanding that God will receive us when we approach him. So don't shrink away. Don't be like the rest of the army of Israel. Be like David, the young man that ran out to the giant and said, Who dare you think you are that you should talk about my God like that and mock Israel and mock God's people and mock my Lord? No. I'm not going to allow it. I'm not going to allow the enemy just to do and say whatever he wants and keep my mouth shut and just sit on my hands and expect things to get better. God has anointed you and me to be the difference makers in the world that will bring about the greatest end time harvest of souls this world has ever seen. 
We don't have to just read stories from the 1950s of great things that happened. We can see the book of Acts come to life right now and even in greater measure than the book of Acts. But all it takes is something called faith. But the greatest enemy and obstacle to faith is a spirit called fear. And that's why the devil is trying to put it on a generation and grip it on a church and grip it upon a world. But we resist the devil and he flees from us. So don't be afraid today. Be encouraged. Be ex- have expectation and know that Jesus is coming back for you and that he loves you and that he has great plans for you and that you're going to be provided for during this time, that you're going to be protected during this time, that God is going to get you out of this thing. God is going to get you out of this thing and give you access to greater things. You know, I've seen something in my church. We've actually grown in attendance, not lessened or shrunk in attendance during this time because we're one of the only churches that were open during this whole thing. So people had nowhere else to go for church but to us. So even if they didn't like us, they just had nowhere else to go. So they came to our church. You know, so God has blessed our faith. God has blessed our decision to operate by faith and not to operate by fear and not to operate by intimidation. And that's how you should operate because God is pleased by faith and there's a reward for your faith. For the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There's a reward of faith. God will bless your faith. You'll be better off when you make decisions by faith, not decisions that you make outside of faith. Faith makes you different. Faith makes you someone that God can bless. Faith makes you someone that God can look down from heaven and say, hey, I can use that woman. I can use that young man. I can use that person because they have not embraced the Antichrist spirit of fear but they've received a spirit of faith through the blood of Jesus and through my word. And that's who you're going to be. And that's who I'm going to be. But you have to be sure that you're covered by the blood. You have to know that you know, no doubt in your heart, 100% certain that if Jesus were to come back tomorrow or tonight or this fall or this winter, that you would go and be in heaven and be with him, that you wouldn't be left behind that you wouldn't be left out, that Jesus would bring you with him. And I want you to be assured, assured of that today. So if as I'm talking, you've been ministered to and touched, and maybe you've gone to church your whole life, or maybe someone just sent you this podcast and you've never listened to preaching one day in your life. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you come from. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what background you come from or what state you were born in or anything about that. All I know is that Jesus can save anybody. And all I know is that the Father is not willing that any should perish, but that all, all should come to repentance. So if you feel the need today to either rededicate your life or pray this prayer with me for the very first time, I want you to pray this salvation prayer and God will meet you where you are. His Spirit We'll meet you wherever you are. If you're driving a car, if you're on a bus, if you're on a plane, if you're on a tr- anything, God's Spirit will meet you where you are and He'll change your life forever if you just repeat this simple prayer after me. If you feel that need, I, w- I just want you to repeat this prayer after me wherever you are. Just say, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. 
forgive me of my sin. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I reject this world. I don't want to be a part of this world. I want to be with you. I want to go to heaven one day. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be tormented. I don't want to be oppressed. I want to be free. So today, Jesus, I choose you. I accept your blood. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead and that you died for my sins. I'm going to go to heaven one day. And Jesus, if you come back again, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm going with you. And I pray it all in your mighty name. Amen. And when you pray that prayer, the Bible says when you believe in your heart and when you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, that you're saved. And now that you're saved, you don't have to receive the things the world receives. That now God has made you very different. Now God has made you his child. And now you have a reason to be happy. Now you have a reason to be joyful. That no matter what's going on in this world, no matter what's happening around you, you have a peace that surpasses all understanding and sets you apart and makes you different. Hallelujah. I love you today. I love you today. It's going to be the best year you've ever had. You know, a lot of people are posting things about how bad 2020 has been. 2020 has been my favorite year ever. <laughs> God has been good to me. And I know that these final four months, August, September, October, no, oh, it's five, right? Yeah, November, December. These final five months are going to be the best five months I've ever had. And I believe the same for you. That no matter what happened in the first seven months of the year, God will restore and you'll have a great final five months of the year. The best five months you've ever had. That any damage or things that happen in the first seven months cannot compare to what God's going to do in these final five. I believe that for you. Live ready. Stay ready. Live with an expectation and an eagerness that Jesus is coming back soon and that you're going with him. And preach the gospel. Witness to your friends. Witness to your coworkers. Witness to your family. Witness to those that you have, you know, influence with and can impact. It's what God expects of you as a believer now. Live with that mindset. And God will bless you for it. Because you're living by faith. And you're not living by fear. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I love you. God loves you. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast. To stay connected with Preston and for booking information, make sure to follow him on social media on Instagram and stay tuned for our upcoming ministry website. For more episodes, please subscribe and make sure to come back here every Friday for brand new weekly content.